first things first, and then we get second things thrown in. First things first, and then we get second things thrown in. Pursue first things, and second things are added unto you. Put second things first, and both first things and second things are lost. And when you put second things in front of first things, you may be in idolatry. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this time that you've given us today to come together as a family. Lord God, today we embrace you. We offer this service to you, Lord God, with our thoughts and with our prayers. We look to embrace and honor you. We thank you, Lord God, for the many blessings that you've given to us and those that are yet to come in your protection over us day and night. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I also want to praise our pastors. There's not too many churches that can say that they've had a pastor team around for 25 plus years. And we're blessed to have that here. And in all our pastors who give them themselves unselfishly to serve the Lord as they represent his love to each and every one of us. Let's give a round of applause to recognize our great pastors. Yeah. First things first, let me explain. Let me give you kind of a life kind of explanation at first. My wife Tammy and I, we celebrate 25 years of marriage tomorrow. Yeah. I wish I could say I had the hard job in that. <laughs> it's been such an amazing journey together. I think we both are feeling like we're just getting started in this marriage and just tr starting to figure it out. Two becoming one sounds really sweet in a wedding ceremony. And the truth be told, as you married people know, you don't really figure it out. It figures you out. Has it been easy? Well, let's just say it's been a non-stop thrill ride. <laughs> Most of my doing, with both ups and downs and highs and lows. We both bought a forever ticket. And we both know that this ride will take us home together someday. I come to know my Heavenly Father as I continue to get to know my wife and my bride, Tammy. Remember, pursue first things first, and second things will be added unto you. You see, if I married Tammy just for the benefits, if I married her just for the benefit of conversation, I remember the first night, we had our first date at Federal Jack's in Kennebunkport. And we closed the place down, just talking. I remember a huge thunderstorm came over, and we rode home in that thunderstorm, just talking. 
If I married her just for conversations and for that benefit, and one day she could no longer talk, or if I married her for just the benefit of sex and one day she couldn't have sex with me, or I married her for just the benefits, and if they were all taken away, would I still be there? I would be, because I didn't marry Tammy for the benefits. I married her for the relationship and for the bond. I married her because I can't live without her. When you find the person that you can't live without, that's who you marry. Not the person that you can live without, the person that you can't live without. Don't marry somebody that you can live without. Find the person that you can't. The person that you can't wait to see breathe because the way they breathe is so cute. Or the way they smile or just the way they move or their mannerisms, their unique ways. You want to grow old with that person. That's the one you can't live without. I married her because she was the one for me. Take away all the benefits, I'm still there. Lose her ability to walk, I'm still there. Lose her ability to talk, I'm still there. Lose her ability to make love to me, and I'm still there. Why? Because I got involved for the relationship and for the bond, not for just the blessings. My ultimate relationship is with God. That's my number one goal. That's first things first. And even though the benefits of forgiveness and joy and peace and increase and all those things are available, my goal is to know him. That takes me to first things first. My first thing is to know him. Is to know him. Take care of first things first, and all other things will be added unto you. Know this family here at Life Church. I'm not a professional preacher, speaker. I'm not the best leader or business owner. God knows that. I don't have all the techniques and all the talents. And sometimes God puts me in positions that are uncomfortable. Keep first things first. I just want to know Jesus. I just want to know Jesus. Amen? Amen? I want to know him. I want to know the Jesus. I don't want to know about all the other stuff. I want to know him. I want to know him. Because when it's all over and this world comes to pass, and if Jesus walked by you, would you recognize him? I don't want to be talking about Jesus while I'm on this temporary earthly ride and then get to heaven and not know him because I spent too much time looking for the benefits versus getting to know the benefactor. I want to know Jesus. 
Let's take a look at our first scripture today. It's from Peter. Peter shares this with us. Christ suffered for our sins once and for all. He never sinned. But he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. Did you hear that? Do you see that? All of Christ's agony and suffering was for one purpose. One. And that purpose was to bring you and you and you and you home to God. Not to bring you home to a new house or a something figure income. But he suffered, and in the way that he suffered, he did so to bring you home to God. Now look at this. Christ suffered for our sins once for all times. He never sinned, yet he died for sinners. He never sinned, he died for sinners. And I hope that this is one piece that the Holy Spirit imparts on you today. And if you don't know who that is, I trust that you'll be imparted with it as well. For those of you that do, open up to it. Why did he die? He died to bring you closer, to bring you home to God. Not to bring you to all that other stuff, but to bring you to God. Now, please understand me. I'm not saying here that you'll never experience all those other things and those blessings. No, no. You'll experience those things, but the way you may be trying to experience those things now is putting second things first. And when you do that, that's a very shallow relationship. I'm telling you that if you put God first... All those things will be added to you. We've got to stop seeking things and start really seeking first thing, him. If you're a parent and you have children, maybe you've had this experience where a child comes to you and you know in their eyes they're coming to you for one thing. <laughs> that can feel shallow. And then maybe you've had the experience, and I'm sure that you have, where they've come to you, and they just love you. They just open their hearts. And at that moment, you'd do anything in your power for them. That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about what Jesus did for us, and how we can live a life of worship. And it's not a life with a benefit relationship to bring me home safely to my Mercedes or bring me home safely to my million-dollar home or to bring me safely to my whatever-figure salary. It's to bring you home to God. So let's talk about that first. Let's talk about first things first in a life of worshiping God. This is what Pastor Brian has asked me to share with you on today, and our other teachers have been doing such an amazing job with it over this series in worship. Choosing the essence of God. 
choosing the essence of God over the benefits from God will lead you into a life of worship. Let me say that again. Choosing the essence of God over the benefits of God will lead you into a life of worship. Every time you choose the essence, that's the core of the relationship. That's the the bond. That's the intimacy of the relationship. With God, when you choose that, the benefits will come. It will lead you into a life of worship. First things first, and second things will come. We're going to go into Romans for just a little bit. And we're going to use the message translation, because for me that seems to be the translation that really resonates with me as I studied. I've gone through several different translations. But man, wow, this, what I'm about to share with you, at least for me, was mind-boggling. So let's, let's take a look at this. So here's what I want you to do. This is what he's telling us. God helping you, so we're not alone. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. This is the essence of living a life of worship. I want to show you how we can move into this life because you are going to choose him every time. Every time. It's interesting to me that God gives us valuable things and just to see if we'll be willing to give that same valuable thing back to him. You may be like me. I failed in that. I trust I'm better today than I was 20 years ago. 10 years ago. Five years ago. Take your life and place it before God. Take your life and place it before God like it is that we're taking an offering here at Life Church. And say to God, God, I'm giving you my life. Not because I need to get life, because you've already given me life. I'm offering my life in showing my gratitude and thankfulness for all the stuff that you've done for me. It's the least I can do is to offer that to you, Father. That's worship. That's worship. That's the heart of worship. So, if you are going to offer your life to God and you have any addictions right now, those addictions, well, they have to come and meet your offering face to face. That drug or that drink that enslaves you, you can now say, no, I can't do that no more because I've given myself to him first things first. The illicit sexual activity you may have gotten involved in, now you say no. 
You're cute, but you're not cute enough to take away my salvation. I offer myself to him. The crazy stuff that we all did is being tempered because you are now offering your life to him. Those thoughts of hate, that bad behavior, that language, you can't give that to your king. Take notice now. Take notice now and focus on your offering. What, was, what used to give you life? When you think about this, now you can take your life back. If you think about all the things you've given your life, I've given my life to over the years, now you can take those things back. You can take them back and say, Lord, for every time I should have died, could have died, would have died, Lord, I offer my life to you. I offer my life to you. We've become so enamored with stuff. And many folks are trying to turn their Christianity and their relationship with Christ into some kind of a corporate or business relationship where it's quid pro quo. You do this, I do that. You do this, I'll do that. We're missing it. Some of us are truly missing this whole thing. And this isn't good. This is not good. In the corporate world, you know, they work hard. They sweat to get their success. The rest of... Well, we... We rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And we worship and we walk in his success. Amen? So it all goes back to the first place of how you see and define success in your life. In this world, a world that defines success based on the amount of stuff you have, or the way that we Christians, Christ believers and truth seekers see it, is having the ability to walk in a peace a peace that passes all understanding as we accomplish the will of God in our lives. Our success is accomplished by knowing the God who allowed you and I to be born and to be and do what he's put us here for a very short time to do. We're going to dive into Romans just a little bit. I want to help you make some of these points, some of these things you've heard for the last few weeks. And I trust today that the Holy Spirit is going to impart on you several words that will allow you to live more of that life of worship if you choose to. Verse 2. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. I don't know about you, but this culture can get all over you like a wet blanket. And it can get you believing in all kinds of things that don't matter nothing on the day you go home. You know, this culture will have you to believe that, you know, eating a bag of chips is a good thing. 
And I professed that good word for a long time. (laughs) Have you ever gotten to the bottom of a bag of chips? And I'm not talking about the snack size, which has now become the lunch size. I'm talking about the grande size, right? And you're in a daze and you look at the bottom and you're like, good Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for getting me through this. Are you allowing this world to transform you without even thinking about it? We are bombarded with so many messages. As we go on, Paul tells us, he says, Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops you, well-formed maturity in you. Now, I've been reading that scripture for a long, long time, more than I'd like to admit. And I tell you this, I kind of skipped through verse 1 to get to uh, to verse 2. I mean, I've taught courses on transforming your life. I've taught all kinds of different uh, business classes where we talk about transformation. I throw a little Jesus in there. But I missed it. I missed it. Verse 1 was just not a stepping stone to skip over. Verse 1 was really all about the key to transformation. A life of worship where I'm presenting my life as a gift to God. And I'm worshiping him him because it's the least I can do for all that he has done for me. Embracing what God does for you. Simple. How many of you can, in your mind, recall what God has done for you? Don't raise your hands. Thank you for raising your hand. I appreciate that. (laughs) Here's what he says. He says, the best thing you can do for me is to embrace what I do for you. The best thing I can do is to not forget everything that I've done for you. To embrace what I do for you and embrace every time I delivered you out of a ditch. Every time that I healed you, every time that I opened a door for you, every time that I showed you mercy, every every time that you didn't get the bad that you deserved, I just ask you to embrace me and remember this. That's the best thing that you can do for me. Now, how can we forget what God's done for us? And he says the best thing that we can do for him is to embrace him and what he is doing for you now and always. He says, let everybody know. Let everybody know. He says it all over the Bible. And in the Old Testament, he says, I will build cities you will walk through. I will build dwellings that you will live in. And I will dig wells that you'll drink from. And you won't have to build any of it. Just don't forget who gave them to you. What's that called? That's called giving him glory. That's called worship. Amen? That's worship. 
Embracing what God does for you. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. What's the best thing you can do for him? All right, three of you. Good, right. Embracing. Embracing what he has done for you. It's no different than that child coming to you and saying, thanks, mom, thanks, dad. And as soon as that happens, that relationship becomes so deep. Whatever, whatever it is, we offer unto them. Embracing. Have you ever thought what will happen to you when you begin to embrace God? Have you ever thought what's going to happen to you? Start thinking today this way. When you walk out of your seat today, when you bump into somebody and they give you a compliment, they, they address you, they make you feel great, say, oh my gosh, that's God. When you get into your car and it starts, my God, that's God. When you drive out of the intersection and nobody intersects you, <laughs> that's God. That's so good. Look at the sky. Blue skies. Three days in a row and it's Maine. That's God. Start thinking today, oh God, oh my God. You know, I was supposed to die in that wreck and I didn't. They said you got the job and you didn't have the right training or the right education or the right look or spoke the right language or someone in the right neighborhood and you got it. That's God. Amen? Oh, it's so good. Start looking at your life that way. First things first. And second things will be added unto you. That child that was diagnosed with an incurable disease. And then one day you bring them back to the hospital and they're cured. And it's a miracle. They're 100% healed. Or you had that time when you had bills and you had no idea how they were going to get paid because you'd just gotten laid off and they got paid. That's God. That's God. The time you went through such betrayal and you knew pain that you'd never known before in your life and for some reason you still had peace and could sleep eight hours at night. And God is saying, the best thing you can do for me is embrace what I have done and will be doing for you. I dare you right now, right where you're at, lift up your hands and say, thanks be to God for all the things that he has done for me. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Friends, where is your attention today? Where is your attention today? What drama is your intention on most of the day? Some of us parents in here, our attention goes to our kids' drama. And they're 38. <laughs> if you're there now, friend, you are through parenting. You're done parenting. This whole new relationship is where you offer your advice and they choose whether they want to take it or not. But you never take that home to bed with you. You have to say to your child, and I'm teaching myself this too. Listen, my grown child, I've done my job, and I wasn't perfect at doing it. I did just the same way as my parents did, 
and they weren't perfect with me. I had to believe that God, wherever there was a shortfall, he'd make up the slack in my life. But what you're not going to do is make me feel guilty or make me feel bad and make me feel upset because the same Jesus that took up the slack for me is going to take up the slack for you because you ain't five years old anymore. I love you, child, but I'm not going to let you rent space in my mind because that attention belongs to God, the God that helped me through when I didn't know how to feed you, when I didn't know where you were, when I didn't know if you were in trouble or not. That God is there for you. Amen? He did this for me. I love you, and I bless you, but I am not going to worry because the most valuable asset that I have is my peace. And whatever costs me my peace is too expensive. So some of us parents... We need to free ourselves up before we end up dead. Walking around all mad, not even knowing what we're mad about. We're just mad. You ain't doing nothing. You ain't doing nothing but preparing yourself for an early grave. There's a reason. There's a reason why God taught us not to leave in unforgiveness. You aren't hurting anybody by being upset. The only person that you're hurting is yourself. Putting all that attention there, that's just a path to an early grave every time. Nah. No. I'm going to give my attention to God. I'm going to fix my attention on Him. He is worthy of my attention. Attend to His word day and night. Joshua. Still with me? We're getting deep now. Let's go back to verse 2 again. Let's take a look. He says, If you offer your life as a gift to God and begin to make the most important thing embracing what He is, does for you, you'll be changed from the inside. Inside. It is there, right? Yep. Some of us have been looking to get changed for the last 20 to 25 years. Some of us have stock in Tony Robbins and all these other great things. God says, if you hook up with me, I will change you from the inside out. Good news? Hmm. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. My kids bought me a tie one year for Father's Day. It was an awesome tie. It was, a, it was a tie that had all these fish going in this direction, except for one fish going that direction. Let's at least think about what this society is attempting to do to us. Let's just think about it. Let's just not follow along like sheep blindly. He says that if you offer your life to God and begin to make the most important thing, embracing him, and what he does for you, he'll change you from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. 
Friends, we ain't got a long time. We're on this rock for a short period of time. None of us know how long. So quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you that's always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Goodness knows we've seen a lot of that lately. God brings the best out of you. Develops well-formed maturity in you. You don't have to be old to be mature. You don't have to be young to be immature. You can be mature in Christ right now. The aim of these two verses that I'm sharing with you today is simply this. All life becomes worship. All life becomes worship. To live your life in such a way that by what you say, what you think, what you feel, what you do with your arms or your lips or your eyes or your legs or your hands, all those things you do, do it to show all that God is more valuable than anything. That's a life of worship. That's what worship living is. I call it worship living. You won't find that in your text. Uh, how's that sound, worship living? Work for you? It kind of works for me, yeah. It's showing that God's value is above all in your life. It's showing that nothing is more valuable to you than your relationship, the essence, the core, not the blessings, the essence, the core of your relationship with God who simply sent his son to suffer and die so that you could come home to him safely. You know what? People are going to begin to see it in you. And they're going to start asking you questions. I'm sure some of you have heard these. Why do you work so hard? Imagine if you could muster up this and say, well, I do it because I value God. Or why, why, why don't you just quit? Well, because I represent the Father. When people start making a point and demanding an explanation for why you act the way you do, tell them, I value God more than anything else in my life. That's worship living. And friends, there are people out there that need to hear that from you. That's a seed that you'll plant in them. Many of you sitting in these chairs today, it was a seed that somebody planted in with you. It might not have been a word. It was an example of love. It was an example of respect. It was an example of worship. When you can value God to the point where those other people demand explanations, you're in the right place. I'm going to start this, slowly take us down from 40,000 feet here on our cruise this morning. We're going to go into Matthew. And you're very familiar with this verse. You may have heard it several times during our teachings over the last few weeks. But I want you to get a hold of what he's saying here. Worship living is what this is all about. So I want you, or I'll ask you, to look at this with worship living eyeballs. You know there's one thing that I can assure all of you this morning. Each and every one of us 
isn't getting out of this world alive. We've got to be transformed. And when that time comes, I want to make sure that none of us have any regrets. If you're looking for a book to read on regret, there's a great book by Bonnie Ware called The Regrets, The Five Regrets of Dying People, where she interviewed people in hospice, hundreds of people, and she gleaned from them their top five regrets. Number one regret I'll share with you is I didn't live the life that I knew I should have truly lived for myself. Let's not get to that place. I want you to live a life with no regret into the scripture. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, i got to stop there for a minute. Just a couple weeks ago, Tammy and I, one of our things is we like to get into our Jeep, take the top down, and just go off into the mountains. And we were up in western Maine, not too far outside of Aquasic, and we were on these logging roads that people hadn't probably been on in tens of years. And sprawled out before us, were these beautiful fields of lupins. Have you seen these lupins before? They just like stand up at attention to greet you. They're beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. And they were just dancing in the breeze. I had to get out, stop the Jeep, take pictures, the real geeky nerd, right? I'm taking these pictures, just beautiful. Before those lupins finished their life, I don't think they'd probably see another person. God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen. Don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you? Do his best for you? What am I trying to do here? What I'm trying to do is to relax you, to not be so preoccupied with getting and become so that you can be responsive to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. They spend their hours constantly looking for the blessings, never getting to know the benefactor. But you know both God and his works. So friends, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. And let's not be worried about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. And finally, Paul shares, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Be in the moment. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Boy, that's good, huh? That's coming right back at me. 100%. I trust that it's finding a place to land in your heart. So let's kind of take this thing down towards the end. I read a short story in preparation for this. And the story was about a reporter who got to meet a 111-year-old woman. And she reported on this woman as she was preparing to meet Jesus soon. What an honor. And she explained in the story that this woman 
began to fix everything around her home. Get everything tidied up. She didn't want to leave a mess for her kids. Isn't that something? And she called her kids. And she said, I'm going home soon. If you want to see me, you better come. And just a few days later, she fell asleep. And she went home with the full confidence of Christ in her heart. In the story, the reporter had a chance to ask the lady, what would you attribute your longevity or your long life to? And she said this, and this hit me. You might want to write this down. This is code word. Write it down. I don't worry about nothing. I don't worry about nothing. That's good preaching right there. Let me tell you what happens when you worry. And I've been an expert in this area for a number of years. When you get stressed out, God has invented a body that's amazing. It will not allow toxins toxins to penetrate it. So when you get stressed, your cells immediately close down. And they will not let nutrition or any healthy things that you do for it into the cellular block. You can take all the vitamins you want. You can run on the treadmill all you want. But if you're stressed out day to day, day to day, you may want to turn your compass to the one that has it all already taken care of for you. Just embrace him. Just embrace him. It's the number one killer. It is the number one killer, and you can't outrun it. You just cannot. But you can embrace him. And when you do that, he'll continue to do in and through you those things that he has called you to do. Friends, if you could just bow your heads for a minute. And just reflect for a second or two in this crazy world we're in on what word you heard that captivated your mind. Let's commit ourselves to God. Let's do so simply by offering him what he has already graciously given to us. Let's cause the world to see us changed from the inside out. In doing so, by offering back to him what he has so lovingly given to us. Can we do that? Can we do that? Can we do that? I know we can. I know we can. Amen, friends. Amen. If you would, go ahead and take your elements out. We're going to uh, receive communion this morning. Embrace him. That's all he asks. Just embrace me. Don't forget what I have done for you. He sent his son once for sinners, you and I, so that we could go home safely 
to God our Father. And on his final evening, when he took supper with his friends, he took bread. Would you take your bread and hold it right there in front of you? And he said, this is my body, which will be broken for you. Go ahead and break the bread. Break it in half to symbolize a broken body. Take this and eat and remember me. Embrace me. Let's eat. Thank you, Jesus. And then you can prepare your element of wine or juice. Is that same supper with his friends all around him, knowing what he had before him. He shared wine with each and every one at the table. He said, this wine represents my blood. A blood for a new and lasting covenant. Shed for you so that your sins will be forgiven. When you take this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Let's drink this cup together. Let's let the silence come over us and bring you to a revelation, maybe a word or maybe a thought or maybe a feeling that you received today. And let's pray. Father, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Father God, that you are a mighty, merciful, loving Father. Thank you that we can come to know you in our core essence, in a relationship not about blessing, in a relationship of just knowing you, taking care of first things first. Father, help us in this world. Help us not to be transformed by it without thinking. Allow us, Father, to see the wonders that you put before us and give you glory and worship minute by minute, day by day. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this body. We thank you for your son. It's by him that you bring us home safely. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.